Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship more accessible by sharing down-to-earth horse training advice, practical tips, and examples from our own experiences as up-and-coming trainers. If you'd like your horsemanship questions answered on the podcast, hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Horses. Thank you very much for listening. Welcome back to the Project Horse Podcast presented by Lundell Performance. My name is Jake Lundell, joined here with my brother Luke. And in the first part of this podcast, we wanted to break down a little bit of an update on some of the horses we've been using for the Project Horse series, what we're doing with them now. We've introduced a new horse to kind of the string here that we're riding. We wanted to talk a little bit about the problems and things that we're encountering with him, some of the things that he's bringing to the table, and just a brief update on what we're doing with Luther right now. We actually, we've been doing a bunch of filming. We just did additional filming today. Um, We need to get these videos made, man, but uh, we're working on it. And as far as what Luther has been up to, because Tangle's been on a bit of a hiatus, um, but, you know, I think we got to a point with her where we've, we've made a lot of progress with her, but, but also kind of found the line where she's sort of mentally and physically sort of maxed out as far as her talent and abilities. And now we're kind of playing the game of, you know, finding a track that we can kind of settle in get her more mentally relaxed and kind of happy in her job, not be pushing her as hard because we've kind of made all the progress that we really want to. And quite honestly, she's very close to where she needs to be for what the goal of this horse has been from the beginning, which is to just create a solid, broke, just nice youth show horse. You know, Luther's very near to there as well. Like a lot of the things you've been reviewing, we've already covered. It's just a sense of, you know, there's some refinement and consistency there, but it's also more about making him sort of idiot proof and just showable and rideable to where anyone, even someone who's not really educated or has a trainer mindset can get along well with Luther and operate him well. Yeah, I would say on Tangle, um, we'll probably be able to do one more video, probably kind of a cap video of capping it off, like maybe giving people an idea of a horse like this in particular, you know, we've gotten to see kind of what we had to start with to now and getting a good idea of, okay, these particular horses, there is a ceiling and you just have to be realistic and ex- and expect that. And that's the mindset we have going in. And I think we've reached a point now, like scaling the mountain, we've reached the peak. If we were to keep going, to keep journeying, to keep pushing, which way, once you reach the peak of the mountain, which way do you go if you keep If you keep pushing, you can only go down. Yeah, exactly. It definitely takes a level of awareness to be able to see when you've gotten to that point. She's in maintenance mode now. And for what she needs to do, she's going to perfectly fit that bill. So it's a matter of recognizing that. And I mean, that's something I know you and I, as young trainers, first getting exposed to this with, you know, especially in the early days when it was really lower level type of horses, just kind of from wherever, that would be frustrating. Because your ego was tied up in it. It's like, right. well, no, I mean, the, the, the magazine said that every, every horse can be made into the world champion. And the right. answer is no. And you have to be, and that's part, you know, what separates a lot of the, the great trainers that we've gotten to, to see and, and personally watch from some of the more average ones is that they know 
they're able to see, okay, this horse has this much talent, this one has this much talent, and they cater to what that horse has to offer, and they're not romantic about, overly romantic about, okay, well, this one just, you know, this is what it, we have, it's only going to be this good. They don't get romantic about, no, it's got to be just as good as the, as, you know, this other one that's a world champion. No, it's never going to be that. You have to be realistic about that. So, um, I think she's at a pretty decent point and, and, uh, we can kind of cap everything off with her and move into what we're doing with this, this other horse. As far as Luther is concerned, everything is kind of progressing, um, right along with the program. Um, it's more of a matter of, you know, we've gotten most all the, you know, the, the problems and, and whatnot, you know, glossed over with him. And it's a matter of getting the maneuvers more firmly established, but also getting him a little bit more kind of dummy proof for a lack of a better word. He's got a 12 year old girl that has to ride this horse. And so at the end of the day, no one really gives a hoot what I can do with this horse. It's irrelevant. It's what she can get done with the horse that matters. I don't care if I could ride it to the moon and back. That does not matter if she can't get on it and lope around along the rail. So it's a matter, and we're in a bit of a, it's a bit of a touchy area because the horse has had four months of riding rather than the two years of training that it would, that should at least be there to make a, a really solid horse. This thing has had four months of real training in a specific discipline. It had a year previous riding, but that really revolved around just the, kind of the the basic entry-level stuff kind of was really repetitive. And so it's a matter of now moving away from that into more concentrated type training. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, he's got, he's really behind in that aspect, having only four months of it. But we're in a process of establishing, better establishing the maneuvers now, getting them more refined, but at the same time, getting them to where someone more inexperienced and novice can navigate those maneuvers yeah. so you know that's it's a touchy waters for sure but it keeps life interesting right right well i think that's a difficult part of our job when you train horses for other people whether it's non-pros youth training customers in general it's it's part of our job to have that level of self-awareness of you know sure you know i can i can do what i do to keep all the moving parts in play and I can compensate for what this horse doesn't do well, things where he's kind of missing the cue and mistakes that he makes. And I can, I can even, you know, kind of ride and train through that or even cover it up, you know, in certain ways. But when you're, when you have the mindset of, I've got to get this horse really operating well for this other person who doesn't have the same, you know, they're shorter than me or whatever. They weigh less or more, you know, they've just, they've got an entirely different feel and timing and experience level. And so it takes some self-awareness to recognize where, you know, there's areas where you're kind of helping this horse out in little subtle ways. So it's a bit of a challenge to kind of make a horse a little bit dummy proof, so to speak. And, you know, that's kind of the phase that we're in now with him. But this new horse, this buckskin horse that we've kind of added to our string over there, he presents some of the challenges that Tangle brought to the table when we initially started filming her. But he's a little bit different in the sense that Tangle is kind of a very stereotypical horse that fits the mold of being sort of pissy-minded and hot, where she's offended and, and mad and full of angst about being taken a hold of, had legs, leg pressure, spur pressure applied, and just pressure in general she detests and doesn't like, but she's also kind of 
just busy minded and just, and also has that propensity to want to hide just from pressure in general. Whereas this buckskin horse is just kind of ignorant in a way. Like he's, he's definitely, he doesn't like being taken a hold of. He's almost surprised and offended when you put him in a bind or apply a lot of pressure, but he was, he's not really hot. He's just kind of not really wanting to acknowledge that you're there. Well, what you say is just rambling. Just yeah. Motors yeah. along, not a care in the world, but his own. Exactly. You know? Yeah. That's, that's totally him. And so the challenge with him has been to do a lot of bending, bend, draw, really making an effort to, you know, when I bend him around, not even so much bending him around my leg, but just bend him in a circle with him bridled up using a little bit more outside rein because he's got such a tendency to want to dive the inside shoulder in. And like so just, what get in his road, like force him to slow down basically. Yeah. And not only that, but it, I'm kind of trapping him a little bit with my hands, with my legs, kind of just, I'm maintaining like steady pressure with my legs, spurs. I just take a hold of him, take him deep in the bridle. And of course he gets stiff and, and bracy and kind of overreactive. And it's almost like we're in a, we're in the phase of the game where I, I need to put him in those situations where I'm taking a hold of him and I need to wait for him to just relax, accept it and kind of come back to me. Yeah. And that come back to you is an important point too, because this horse also is incredibly front endy, you might say, or heavy yeah. on the front end. Like he's yep. incredibly downhill. And a lot of that is just the rambliness. Like when mentally, when they do not have a care in the world about you on their back or where their feet are going or anything, they just, what's in front of their nose. It's almost like that anxiety that what's out there in front of them. It's like, it's almost like uh, someone that's at the very edge of a tree limb and they're trying to reach out for that nut type of thing. <laughs> all their weights out in front of them. That's the same thing here. Like all his weight is out over his front end because he's thinking just out there so much. Yeah. And so really you don't, I don't even think his back end even touches the ground when he goes around, but getting him to forcing him to slow down and pay attention to you and getting in his road will hopefully get him to rock back a little bit mentally. Cause a lot of that rambling is creates a horse that's real front end heavy. And if we can get in his road and slow him down, it'll naturally rock him back a little bit and help him. Cause in turn for being so front end heavy, he's also incredibly bracy up front. If you try and draw him into the fence or he's very clumsy and likes to, you know, he has a propensity to slip and, and roll over to the inside of a circle. Like it's almost in a way a bit dangerous because he is so just, cast over on his front end and you have to try and get in his road and use your reins to force him to stand up and show him how to move so that you can get him to somewhat rock back and move around with some athleticism. Exactly. He's always mentally sort of yearning for just the first opportunity to just leave the situation, just escape life, just completely take his mind off you as the rider is kind of his desire. So yeah, it's partly about that and partly about, like you said, he's just kind of wonky all over the place, dipsy diving his shoulder around. So I'm doing a lot of, of, you know, bending transitions, but a lot of outside rain, like really drawing him and, and really taking him deep in the bridle 
just getting him used to that contact instead of, you know, traditional rollbacks on the fence at the lope. I'm doing bending rollbacks where I'll roll him back into a, a tight circle bent around at the walk, just setting up those situations where I'm kind of trapping him and maintaining a steady hold on him with my hands and legs, not jerking, not kicking, but just, I'm just there. I'm making my presence felt and I'm putting him in enough of a bind. It's challenging him to accept it. And so we're kind of in a game now where, we need to get him comfortable with it. We need to build his confidence with it so that we can actually go train on him. Like he, he's got to know how to handle pressure instead of looking to escape it 24 seven. He's got to know how to accept pressure before we can actually start using pressure to break his body parts loose, get him truly soft and really start training on him. All right, let's continue our conversation that we started in the previous episode. We talked a lot about the backing circles exercise. And just to sum up our main points, first of all, the fact that we feel this is such a valuable exercise to teach even to young horses, whereas other trainers might not be inclined to start this or even really focus on the backup itself very much like we we feel it's an area that's kind of underrated in terms of you know how people work on it how much they want to refine it and so we do various exercises to get the backup better all with the goal really of teaching that horse to engage that hind end and kind of follow his tail if you will in the same sense that he follows his nose when he's going forward we want him to engage those hindquarters and drive backward instead of kind of pushing himself backward with his front feet and kind of shunting his rear end along like a train pushing a boxcar, you know. Um, that's kind of our idea with this. So um, we're going to build on that a little bit more. We we talked about backing circles last time. We didn't really get to talking more about backing angles um, and other re refinements and variations that we do. Yeah, yeah, there's there's two more that we need to to get into, two more drills so much in the backup. And it's just really important to note that the more control you have of the horse going backwards really does translate in a big way to the more control you have of the horse going forwards. It, there's a direct correlation there. And not only that, but this sounds odd, but is absolutely true. The more you, you practice backing your horse straight, the more your horse will back crooked. The more you practice practice backing your horse crooked the more your horse will back straight now that doesn't seem to make sense but it's absolutely true the more and what i mean by practice backing your horse crooked is working on these backing circles backing angles shaping them on the circle and backing a circle like these different elements of it the more you do that and the more control you get going backwards when you can back a horse all three different ways and then you just turn them loose on a straight line, like, boom, that is super easy. You can control them left, right, forwards, backwards, sideways, you name it. Seven ways from Sunday, you have control of this horse. And as soon as you turn him loose on a straight line going backwards, like, <laughs> that's nothing. And it's incredible how the more you back them in circles and around and and whatnot, how, easy, how much that translates to a straight backup and an and an energetic backup. Like you're going to find, you'll find resistance. It's almost like when we talked about the lead changes, we talked about resistance. You would find going from a walk to a jog with say yielding the hindquarters 
while you're walking on a straight line, something like that. That resistance that you eliminate, then you go to a lope and you try to yield the hindquarters, like say lope in a circle, and you don't find a whole lot of resistance. Like the horse somehow kind of knows it. But if you would have skipped that and you just did it at the walk and then at the lope, well, then you've got a big fight on your hands. And you'll find resistance backing the horse. Let's say you'll have an average backup when it's straight. But the feet are still kind of sluggish. And you're trying to get speed. You're trying to get them light. And you're always having to kick, 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 and pull and kick. And you're constantly having to re-remind them. You know, you you do it. You make a correction. The next one is really good. The next one after that was pretty good. Not quite as good, but pretty good. And so you you accepted it. Well, then the next one was just good. And you're like, okay. That was nothing like what I had before, but you know what? It was a good backup, so I didn't, I'm not going to get after it that time. The next time, it's back to what you had before, and then you're constantly in the cycle of trying to hustle, 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 and then they're really good for a couple backups, and then it's bad again, and you can't seem to figure out why. Well, it's because you've never challenged them in a different way, and so the hardest thing they've ever had to do is back in a straight line. But if you can break them loose in circles and angles and whatnot, you'll find resistance there, yes. But you also find that as soon as you put them on that straight line, like that's easy and the, their feet just melt underneath of you and they just step back with ease and with cadence that you naturally, that you didn't even have to work on. You worked on your circles. The cadence and that ease and that foot speed just appears then on that straight line. Well, it's, it's really not that counterintuitive when you think about it because going forward, we do so much lateral suppling, leg yielding, all these different things, shaping the horse, bending him around our leg, all this stuff really in order to get him to run straight or to circle correct stood up in frame the same kind of applies with the backup as well you exactly. know that's a way to shorten that is just to say you know working on backing circles backing angles anything but a straight line that's actually going to make your backup in a straight line just that much better yep so moving into the actual exercise the next step after the backing circles that we talked about in the last podcast is to introduce the angles or backing and moving the shoulder off of your leg. So what we're going to do there is it's almost like when we talked about in the lead change part of the podcast, when we talked about yielding the hindquarters on a straight line and we use the railroad tracks reference, literally pretty much the same thing here. Imagine you're backing your horse on one rail of a railroad track, and then you're going to move his shoulders over, say, to the right and onto the other rail of the railroad track. And now you're going to keep backing. So the hind leg, the hind feet are on one rail, the front feet are on the other rail, and you're moving backwards. That's what, and the, their nose is pointed straight forward in the, in the direction they, ha- they you know, had been traveling. Um, that's kind of the image that you want for this. And this is going to set us up for the, the third, say, exercise in this. But it's important to teach them now how to move that shoulder over while they're looking towards the inside of the circle for a backup. So it's kind of like yeah. the, the really the point of this is more to set up what's coming next, the next exercise. It's not so important as an exercise in and of itself. It's a setup. So just to clarify, though, let's say when you start in the rail analogy, if I'm just backing my horse straight up, I'm not backing angles, and my horse's head is looking north, straight north, which is the same direction as the railroad tracks, let's say. So then when we're talking about backing angles, we're going to basically have his front feet on the right track, for example, and his hind feet on the left track. 
but his head will still be pointing straight north, like it'll be kind of tipped that way. Exactly. exactly. A little bit. It always, yeah. it'll always face, you know, if it started facing north, it'll be facing north throughout the backup, regardless of which direction you move his shoulders. Right. So the reality or what you'll feel in the horse's body is that his head is kind of tipped one way a little bit yep. more. And being able to back circles and do things with my horse shaped to the inside, that's actually really hard. Exactly. And I, I never understood that this was the intermediate step that you need to have yeah. in place. Yeah, it's very, it is very difficult to then shape him on the circle and back the circle. But so your teaching stage for that is as you're backing it up, let's say we're going to move the shoulders off to the right. So you're going to pick up and forward with your left rein, like straight up and forward out in front of you. And that's going to lift up that shoulder, that left shoulder, and tip his nose to the left. Because remember, we're lifting it up so we can move it to the right. But we're backing the horse up right now. So he's backing up, and I'm not looking for him to be racing backwards. I just want a slow, steady speed. Because the faster I have the backup, the harder it's going to be for him to figure this out. Remember, this is... This is a brand new exercise for this horse, so let's slow it down and make sure that he can understand what we're talking about. Um, or give him a chance to think his way through it. So I'm going to pick up and forward with that left rein, and I'm going to draw that right rein down and to the side, like almost towards my knee, my right knee. And that's going to draw his shoulders, like in a counterbending exercise, where on a greener horse, I draw their shoulders with that outside rein. Same principle here. I'm trying to draw the shoulders out to give him that direction I want him to go. I'm leading him with that outside hand. So as I back him up, I pick up with my left hand. I draw that right hand down into the side towards my knee. And I'm going to first press and then roll if necessary with my left leg. Press with my calf first. Ask with that lightest amount of pressure and increase from there. And I'm going to ask him to move that shoulder over one step while he's backing. I don't want him to stop moving his feet and just move his shoulders over. That's a very common problem you'll run into in this exercise. I would rather, I would rather he continues backing and doesn't move his shoulder than stops moving his feet and moves his shoulder. Because you'll end up running into a lot more confusion if you let that habit develop. I would rather he doesn't learn how to move his shoulders initially but continues to maintain that I always need to keep backing up. So that's a very key point to remember. But as I back him up, I'm going to press with my calf, then use my spur if necessary, and I don't, I'm not going to get to the point where I, I kick on him in this particular exercise because I'm just trying to find a way to get plant the seed, and once he, I plant the seed, he'll take it and run with it. So I don't want to try and kick him over and make a big deal of it. I'm just going to roll that spur and I wait. And I'm just going to keep drawing. And if I need to, if the horse is really stuck, I'll take a little bit less bend. And I, I, I've, I, you know, went over. I skipped over that in the in the very beginning. When I pick up with that left rein, I'm tipping his nose to the point of his shoulder, not any farther, not all the way around to my toe. But the greener the horse is, or the more he's struggling. A lot of the horses, I can take them straight to the point of their shoulder, and they figure it out within you know 10, 15 strides. Um, but if the horse is really struggling, I'll keep his nose straight. You know, the, the, the more they struggle, the straighter you need to keep their head and neck. So you can draw more with that outside rein, that right rein in this particular case. So as I'm backing, I'm pressuring, I'm rolling that spur and I'm just going to literally wait. And I'm only going to use my right leg if I lose my momentum 
in my backup. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything. I'm mm-hmm. trying to keep that door open. And as soon as that horse is backing, 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 and moves that shoulder over just a step, drop everything and turn loose. I'm not worried about how he feels in the face, softness, anything like that. As soon as I get that step, turn loose, pause, wait 5, 10 seconds, which is very underrated. That that pause there, you give the horse time to mentally digest what you just did. And then after that 5 to 10 seconds, back him up again. Always start it off by backing him straight. Ask, pick up on that rein. Ask to move that shoulder. As soon as you get a step, turn loose. That that first step is the hardest. Once you get that first step, it's not too hard to get two and then three. And the only thing I need to caution now is once you've gotten probably three, four steps, is I don't want him to back a circle swinging his shoulders around. He needs to back straight on two separate tracks. So once I've got it to where he moves that shoulder over and he knows what to do, well, now I need to control it a little bit more with tipping his nose and my inside left leg to make sure that he doesn't swing that shoulder around and start backing a circle. It needs to be straight. And what I mean by controlling him with my inside rein and leg is if he tries to continue to almost do a counterbend but backwards the more that i tip his nose the more it's going to shut that front end from yielding around and if necessary i could even block it with my outside leg if i needed to kind of tap him there and block his shoulder from moving i will another thing that i would do is use my my left leg my inside leg back near his flank to block his hindquarters from stepping around Because remember, I want everything moving straight backwards. So if he was facing north and I'm facing a panel on the fence or a a board on the fence, I need to be in line with that board, perfectly perpendicular, say, with the back wall of the arena, the whole backup. I need to stay within my traffic lane, so to speak. So I need to use that inside leg to perhaps block that hindquarters from stepping around and and falling out of my lane mm-hmm. or block him with my right leg, my outside leg, to stop the shoulder from over-yielding. Okay, once I've taught him how to yield it over, now I need to draw it back more, and I may even use my outside rein rather than drawing it down towards my knee, draw it more back in towards me and think draw back and not around. You know, the outside rein is more a leader is not so much when it comes to him turning into a backup. I don't want to be leading his shoulder anymore because then he'll overdo it. Once I've taught him how to move off that leg, now it comes into, okay, now we just need to go straight backwards. And so I can kind of use my reins and legs in a way to manipulate it in a way to steer him so that he doesn't overdo it and start turning it into a circle. I need him to stay straight and just on his little, in his in own lane in a way. Between this and what we talked about in our previous podcast, once you've got those sort of bricks in place on what you're building here with your backup, you can start backing circles with the horse actually shaped to the inside. Um, and, I, you know, once you have those first two things that we've talked about accomplished, I think once people do that, they'll start to be able to feel very much for themselves the different ways that they can now sort of shape and manipulate and move the horse's body around in the backup. You know, obviously people carry that into serpentines and other things that we're not going to cover here. But one other way that we think is valuable is actually backing circles with the horse shaped to the inside of the circle. Right. And what we just talked about with moving the shoulder over is just a way to incorporate 
okay, you can stay shaped to the inside and move yourself off my leg and without losing your, you know, for lack of a better word, your structural integrity. Because a lot of horses struggle now backing up on the arc that they are now shaped. So say a left circle shaped to the left. It's very easy to back a right circle shaped to the left when their head is bent, you know, the opposite way, they're back in circle, because they just kind of fall into it. Yeah, well, you, here, you, everything you, has you, to... you bend their head one way, their butt usually naturally goes the exactly. other. Exactly. Yeah. And so moving the shoulder over is just kind of a baby step to introduce that concept. But what we just taught them there, we don't want to apply directly into this exercise, because this exercise is focusing on the hip is the driver. The hip steps around and everything else follows that. And you can very easily create a problem where the horse just does the former. What I talked about where a horse turns it into a counter bend in a backup, they can, you can create that problem or let the horse get away with that without even knowing it. So it's right. important to realize that the hip is engaged. So as far as your rein and leg positions, it's very similar in this particular exercise. Let's say we're going to back a left circle. So I'm going to pick up and forward with the left rein, tipping his nose to the point of his shoulder again. And then I'm going to, so that's, that just controls the shape, really, the amount of bend in the neck. Then my inside leg, my left leg, will control my, it's basically my gas pedal and a little bit of shoulder control, but I'm not going to need a whole lot. My outside leg controls the hip and is also for my gas pedal. The outside rein is used to control the shoulder or draw backwards. So I control the shoulder, I might draw it down into the side towards my knee, or draw it up towards my hip if I'm looking for more of a backwards draw, depending on what he's doing. But now I'm going to back him up straight, I'm going to shape him to ideally what he would be on the circle. So I'm gonna pick up with and forward with that left rein to shape his nose. I'm going to draw back with that outside right rein, and I'm going to press with my calf more towards his flank, like I'm going to bend my leg back slightly, back towards his flank, my right leg, my outside leg, and apply pressure there towards his flank and ask him to yield his hip off my leg. And it's important that the, sh the horse is yielding their hip into the backup. Like the hip is the leader. You should feel it engaging and everything else following. You should not feel the shoulder falling to the outside and then the horse is really just trying to balance himself and he ends up falling into a circle. Mm -hmm. No, everything is stood up. The shoulder stays on the circle and the hip dictates the size of the circle. The hip starts it. The hip makes the turn first. Nothing else on the body moves before the hip moves to the inside. Then everything else should follow that. I want the hindquarters to be the leader. That way you know the horse is actually getting off of the pressure and they're engaged mentally and physically in the exercise rather than just flailing around and going through the motions. But like everything else, I'm just going to start this off with the general concept and what the horse is going to struggle with most, which is move your hindquarters in a backup. That's a very uh, out-of-left-field uh, um, segment or subject that we've introduced to the horse. Yeah, He's not familiar with this. It's always been forward. Yeah, their tendency when you put your leg back like that, they're thinking move off the leg, you know, disengage even, like move the hip over dramatically enough that they basically disengage their hindquarters and stop that backward motion. Right, because it's always forward. Exactly. And so it's very difficult for them to try and figure out 
why your leg, what they thought means forward, is now you're drawing them backwards and trying to get them to yield over. So that's where you're going to run into most of your resistance. But it just comes to a matter of apply pressure with your leg and wait. Now, maintaining the backup is still the most important part of this. And I'm going to keep my leg there applying pressure until he yields over just a step and then turn loose. Then I'm going to pause 5-10 seconds, back him up again, shape him, pick up with that left rein, apply pressure with my right leg, and I'm drawing back towards my hip with that right rein. And at this point, my left leg is only, at this point, really isn't doing a whole lot because I'm trying to get the, the, the hip to move over. So I'm just worried about that. And I'm just back him up, press with my outside right leg, as soon as the hip moves over when he's backing, turn loose. As soon as it moves over, turn loose. As soon as it moves over, turn loose. Once that's accomplished, then the le- and the, I'm going to turn it into a circle, then the left leg comes into play, the inside leg, in a matter of standing the shoulders up and keeping the shoulders off the inside of the circle. Some horses have a tendency to like back the circle but side pass into the circle as they back around it. And you want the horse to stay, say that there was a chalk line on the circle. You don't want him to side pass off the chalk line as he's backing around. He needs to stay his whole body on the chalk line as he backs around. So sometimes you have to use your inside leg to block his shoulder and move it back onto the chalk line as he backs it around. But be careful how much you do of that because it's very easy for him to swing his shoulders in the opposite way and have his shoulders on the outside of your chalk line. And then he just kind of stumbles around doing a real sloppy counterbend in a backup. Mm -hmm. The hip needs to engage first. The hip leads. Everything else follows. And once you're able to do that, a couple steps, stop. A couple steps, stop. And you just slowly increase to where you can back a full circle with him. You know, you're bending his nose to the point of his shoulder. You've got your outside leg back towards his flank pushing the hip around and you're drawing back with your reins once you can do a full circle both directions then you can start backing a circle and then changing shapes and backing a circle the other way and like turn it into a serpentine then you can come become creative with it you can throw in all three at once maybe you back a serpentine and then you bend his head to the left back a circle to the right and then you finish it off by moving his shoulders over and backing a straight line with his shoulder to the side whatever you can be creative at that point and then always finish it off Once the horse is at that point, always finish it off by letting him go straight and backing under his own cadence, his own speed, and making that like the reward. Get him to crave when you turn him loose and let him back up because you'll find that he, on his own, it's his idea, he'll find that cadence and that energy and that straightness because it's like a reward after you've backed him around in circles. Yeah, I think that's so valuable, getting these horses to develop that level of confidence and control in the backup, it can only help how your horse performs in the show pen, at home, whatever you're doing. I think it's a very underrated area, and I'm glad we've had a chance to cover it here. Thank you guys for all your support on the Project Horse podcast and the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. If you haven't already, please subscribe and message us with suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover on the show. It makes a big difference in the quality of content we're able to create for you. Thank you for listening and being a part of this growing community.